You're listening to RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven, a podcast designed to help financial professionals remove the fear and anxiety around going independent. Let's go. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of RIA Collective. I'm your host, Charlie Van Derven. We're joined today by Emily Haverkern. Emily is with Evangelistian Associates in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. We're going to talk a little bit about niche marketing because they're in such a great place. And actually, I didn't know the name of the firm. I knew the name of the website before I knew <laughs> the name of the firm, Emily, because you guys have done an absolutely awesome job in niching down in your marketing. So we're going to get your story today, Emily. Um, and of course, at RA Collective, we're going to learn what you did well on this transition into working with Evangelist and Associates. We're going to learn a little bit about maybe what you didn't do so well, right? And maybe it was okay. something you might change from your past. So before I go any further, Emily, because I tend to drag on a little bit, welcome and thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to spend it with me and our listeners. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got it. We got a, you got, you got a, you got a fun track record. Um, and so everybody in this industry seems to have a unique path. Emily, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to learn more about yours. Of course, I got the details, but we'll bring that to our listeners. Um, it wasn't always easy. Doesn't sound like. No, it has not been easy, but I'm so make me stubborn. <laughs> I was never willing to settle for a place I knew wasn't going to fit for me long-term. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's... just working with clients, unless you really believe in what you're offering from a solution standpoint, the way that you're offering it, all the philosophies of the firm, to me, it just, unless I could align with every single thing in a company, it wasn't going to work for me. That's awesome. Stubborn. You might want to use that word. I'll use persistent. <laughs> I'll also say you knew what you wanted. So be stubborn, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as I know, we only get one go around. So, you know, spend it doing something you love doing um instead of something you know you're going to hate doing let's let's start with that you you spent some time with a couple of larger firms captive firms um yeah. and uh and that doesn't sound like it was a great experience part of that was of course mindset which we'll talk about but you mentioned to me that part of that was gender right part of it was was uh was scratching and clawing as a woman um you know coming up in a large firm that you know that we'll we'll leave names out of it. We don't have to do that. Yeah. We're not trying to bastardize anybody here. Um, but you know, so to talk about that. What was it like, especially in interning, right? What was it like being a young woman coming up in one of these firms? Yeah, it was obviously it's a, a male-dominated field across the board. Uh yeah. I just don't know that I've ever had any issues on that front on the independent side. I really only felt like I was treated maybe a little bit different on the captive side. Uh, and really just with the first captive agency I worked, I worked with, we had one morning that we were in training with the intern manager and we were doing a role play where he was the advisor and I was acting as a client and he was asking me how much money I made and he asked me how much money my husband made. And yeah. I don't remember the numbers, but I want to say that I said I was making 80,000 and my husband was making 70 or something. And he couldn't stop laughing. He thought that was hysterical that I thought I would make more money than my husband someday. Wow which was just this completely fictitious role play. Like it wasn't real life, but that was eye-opening to me at the moment that he thought that was so funny that to think that a woman was going to be making more. A little condescending, huh? It was a little. And I found out later into that internship, uh, one of the main reasons they had hired me was because I was female and they thought if they hired me, that would convince other women to come on board, um, which I think they thought wow. telling me that was a compliment, but. 
Wow. It's a little offensive to think that that was the only value I brought was that's, to be that's close to child. I'm going to announce to the world. Work. <laughs> I'm going to announce to the world on paper. My wife makes more than I do too. And I, <laughs> um, we, we were partners and social advisors and then she's a photographer on the side of that. So her income right. from photography, she, yeah, listen, I hope she makes all the money. I'll go snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not realistic, but, um, how, how stinking condescending. Yeah, it was. It was just a couple of warning signs that long-term I knew working there wasn't going to work out for yeah. me. So, you know, uh, um, the gender, let's call it discrimination. I think it's fair to say that, right? Um, uh, the affirmative action mindset. Hey, if we hire a woman, more women will come over. Those are weird things, mm-hmm. um, outdated things. But then I think a lot of the captive firms in our industry are a little bit outdated in a lot of the, in, in, you know, in much of what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, I still I still hear advisors have to, you know, do their write down their 250 closest people to them, and then let's spam the hell out of family members and friends to see if we can't get clients. Yeah, I can't that, imagine. That was the deal with both captive agencies I worked at. Both yeah, that's yeah, it. pretty yeah. still still pretty standard. That's crazy to yep. me. Yeah, um, I've told this story. I'll be brief, but I told this story. Um, on, on the show a couple of times. So our listeners may, this may be redundant for our listeners. I, uh, I've got bad knees. I'm 50 years old. I've been an athlete most of my life. Right. So my joints suffered. Um, I started drinking this juice called uh Mono V that had glucosamine in it. Emily made me feel great. It was an, it was an MLM. And so I decided well, I'm going to change the world, right? This juice has been so good for me, but of course it would, right. You get your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, plus a little yeah. glucosamine for your joints. I bought the sticker for the car and then everywhere I went, I was the juice guy. Right. <laughs> so I think the sticker lasted on the car, like six days or seven days before I pulled <laughs> that sucker off, you know, but yeah. that's, I, I say that only to say how weird that is to have to approach your uncles and your aunts and your cousins and your parents and your parents, friends. Um, it's really a weird dynamic. Now, all of a sudden they're afraid for you to show up at family reunions you know, and that, and then, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not so the dynamic. I, I work very hard to keep my personal life and my work life yeah. a safe, a safe wall between those two. Yeah. Well, thank God you knew what you didn't want. Yes. Right. And, <laughs> and, and so, and so we're going back to those captive firms were like 2010, 2011, 2012. Yep. Um, and then you find Evangelista and Associates, what, 2014, is that right? Yep. So I had worked at another independent agent in between, but okay. I've been at Evangelist and Associates for, for a long time here. That's that's awesome. And the and it was it was small at the time, right? It was. Excuse me. So when I first started, it was just John Evangelista, the principal of the firm, Kelly, okay. his assistant, and then I started as a pair planner on the team. So there was just three of us. <laughs> awesome. And and what is how how big is the firm now? Uh, and now we actually have five advisors on the team, including wow. myself, uh, and yeah. an equal number of support staff, and always hiring. So yeah, growing very, cool. very quickly. Very cool. Well, before we close out, um, you know, we've got ideally we've got advisors that are looking for that escape from captive. Yeah. Um, so be, before we close out, we'll get your contact information in case anybody is, you know, looking for a, a soft landing place, and you know. Um, perhaps they want to reach out and if, if they fit, right. I mean, you know, not for everybody, but if it's the right person, um, uh, maybe we can make a connection. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say I, because I've changed roles a few times, I've had my experience in job searching and how do you find a connection with a small firm? Because it, there are small firms and it's hard to, 
it's hard to make that connection. So where do you go? Who do you talk to? What do you look for? So I'm happy to help if people are looking for resources. Tell me, what was it about Evangelista that that excited you? You came out of environments that were not right for you. So what was it that you saw in this small RIA that was exciting and attracted you to the firm? Uh, I love the niche here. So I love specializing, working with university faculty and staff. So black and white from the list of family and friends. So working with people based off of what we are able to do for them specifically. Uh, It's really been an underserved community. They have great benefits, but not a lot of people teaching them how to use them. Uh, And so it's been a great fit. So I enjoyed that side of things. And our firm is extremely planning oriented. uh, And that I was always in the background of being an analytic mindset and loving crunching the numbers and doing every detail I can possibly find. (laughs) I get to do that here. Thank, Thank you for the brain that's motivated by that, because that's the stuff that makes my eyes glaze. So yeah. like, listen, we all need somebody on our team that'll do that. Um, whether it's our personal team or our professional team, my, my brain's big thinking. And then I need people to assemble the pieces, you know, so, so complimentary, yeah. I suppose, you know, so. Yeah. And which is the case for most of our clients hate this stuff. And that's why yeah. they work with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And trust you. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's great. Um, so I, you, you let the cat out of the bag on the, uh, on the, on the niche, on the niche, niche, whatever marketing, mm-hmm. right. Um, let's tap into that a little bit. You know, I, I, I asked you last, uh, last when we met, you know, a few weeks ago, I said, tell me something good that you guys, you know, that you guys as a firm have done. And, uh, and you brought up the niche marketing, um, yeah. and it re- reinforces something I tell every advisor I talk to, right. Is really get narrow, understand who you serve, the value you create so that all your messaging can pertain to those people. Now the website is university-wealth.com. Yeah. I thought I thought that was the name of the firm. And I there's a lot of clients that come in here thinking that <laughs> it's pretty pretty normal. It's on our it's on the front of our office, it's on our website, it's on our email addresses. It's out there. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, how, how great how great is that that it's not necessarily the name of the firm, but and and I hope John's not, you know, John doesn't get his feelings hurt that not everybody knows his last name, right? Um Yeah. But, but, you know, love that you guys have gone so far as that your domain name, not just your website messaging, not just your social, your emails and all the other marketing that you do, but your domain name pertains directly to that niche as well. Yeah. I was I'll credit John for making those decisions early on in the business before I even came along of everything was university across the board and it's done very well for our clients over the years. It's done very well for the firm over the years and there's a lot of good advisors out there. And I would say, I think we do very good service for our clients, but compared to other advisors within the university community, like there's just no comparison. The things we know about their benefits, about their retirement plans, like other people just don't even know. They just don't have the capacity to, to help yeah. them the way that we can. Yeah. As, as, as generalists, right. They're, they're handling right. so many other cases, whereas you guys can get really narrow. I mean, if we relate it to healthcare, for example, you wouldn't go to a general yeah. practitioner to have your knee fixed. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, that's awesome. Tell me a little bit, a little bit more about, uh, about, you know, attracting that niche right now. Here's, here's the stats for, for just as an FYI. And I don't know if you know these Emily or not, but um, mm-hmm. there are, I, I'll get the numbers close. Uh, as of, I believe FINRA's number 2021 is like 612,000 registered reps in the country. Okay. If you put the IARs on top of that, that may not have a series seven, um, it's like 65 additional, 65,000 additional. 
Okay. So we're t- we're talking in the ballpark of 680,000 financial advisors in the US. Wow. Now, we know not everybody's practicing, right? But mm-hmm. you know, 50 greater than 50% are, right? So that's yeah. 350, 400,000 professionals that I'll tell you, eight out of 10 advisors I talk to say, oh, Charlie, I'm looking for, you know, that pre-retiree 55 to 65. So long as they've got money, I want to work with them. And you go, wow, good luck, dude. Good luck. That's, you know, that's, that's a really competitive place. But when you, when you get very specific, your messaging speaks directly to your audience, you remove your competition. And at some point, I imagine year nine into Evangelista, um, at some point you become de facto for that audience. Yeah, I was going to say we, well, a lot of it's University of Michigan, just because we're in Ann Arbor. So we have a number of other universities we work with as well, but I would say the bulk of it is University of Michigan. But we found once we work with one person in a department somewhere at the university, then we're just friends. And we have several departments. We work with pretty much every single person in the department. Yeah. So yeah. once people know that we're out there and we exist, it, it spreads very quickly. That is, it's so awesome. I mean, it really is. You guys are a perfect case study for, for niche marketing. Good job. If you're watching on YouTube, you know I'm applauding. If you're, <laughs> if you're listening, maybe you can hear that in the background. All right. That's the good. Now, Emily, let me ask you about the bad. As as you look back on, you come out of those captive environments. You're you know you're 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 uh, you know you're you're looking for that next step in your career. If you look back on that time, is there anything that you'd change? I don't know if there's anything that I would change, uh, just because I think every firm I went to that wasn't a good fit taught me more of what I was looking for. So it helped me get closer and closer over time. I would say when I left the second captive agency, I didn't have another job lined up and I, I don't regret it. I knew as soon as I knew I wasn't going to stay there long-term, it didn't feel right to me to keep talking to clients as though I was going to stay there forever. Uh, I didn't think that was fair to the clients. And so I think that was the right decision to leave. It was just obviously harder on me <laughs> to, to be leaving without another role lined up uh, and start searching from scratch all over again. So I'm not going to say it was easy, but I I would have done the exact same thing all over again. Yeah. So maybe if there's a little piece of advice in there, have know what the next step is before you jump off the first one or something. Yeah. And I would say as much as people can keep an open network, especially if someone's looking in the RA space, I think there's such a good community of people that want to help other people. And the more you can stay connected. And then when you are out of position, you can reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm looking. And then that person might might not be hiring, but they might know their friends who's also in the industry that is. And so it's a very close knit community. If you can start to create some ties there. Listen, I love that. Um, and I'll, I'll elaborate upon that. I, I had a, I had a meeting with a, a young man um, who actually, I spoke to his, his graduating class at Utah state. I think it was a financial planning program or whatever, you know, whatever the name mm-hmm. of uh, what name. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Um, gosh, five, six, seven years ago. And he's between things and reached out to know, see who I knew. So I gave him a couple of suggestions and people to reach out to and tried to pave that path. But you make a really important point, right? If you're, if you're sitting at a Morgan or a Merrill or, you know, one of these large firms and you know, it's not a right environment for you, start using LinkedIn and LinkedIn. That's how you and I met Emily. It's pretty much how I meet everybody I know now, yeah. um, professionally anyway. Um, so start using LinkedIn to reach out to RAs in your area. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I would say if, if someone's ever looking to stay in the same area, local FPA chapters do a ton of events to bring Wonderful. people together too, which is great. 
Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah, absolutely wonderful suggestion. The other thing you mentioned, and I can I'll second this. So in 25 years, I've worked really exclusively with wirehouses. I worked with independent broker dealers. I do a lot of work with RAs now. Um, it seems like what's the word I want to use? It seems like this space, the RIA space, is the most God, I hate to alienate anybody when I say this, you know, <laughs> but it's 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 almost the most nurturing and giving portion of our industry. Right. It is, it is the purest. Right. So anyway, so all my friends in a captive environment, I'm sorry for saying that, but it's the truth, right? The people I've met that have, have made that transition over the years are seeking something different than the traditional industry gives them. Um, Hence, hence the move. Um, So when you reach out to RIAs, you will be typically met, met with, um, with reception, warm reception. So, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and even like I said, if, if you're talking to someone and they're not hiring, they usually know someone else that is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, really, really cool suggestions. Emily, you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the, the firm is always growing. So are you okay being a resource if one of our listeners wants to reach out and say hi? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. What's, a, what's the best way to find you? Uh, probably LinkedIn, I would say is the easiest. Yeah. Uh, or email. So I already mentioned our email is the same as the website. So it's just emily at university-wealth.com. Yeah, and you and and I know you're. I can I can vouch for the fact that you're very responsive on LinkedIn. I try to be. <laughs> yeah, well that that happens to me too. I mean, I I try to spend a portion of my day every day on the platform, but sometimes a day or two might go by. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so uh, so, but I do know you get back because you know that's how we started chatting. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about personal goals. Um, and and goals of the firm. I mean, where where are you guys headed? You know, the growth has been uh pretty great over the last you know eight or nine years since John propped up the firm. Um, yeah, I was going to say there's still a huge group within University of Michigan that we haven't worked with yet. There's over 50,000 people that work there. So there's a large, right. large body of employees that we can help. Uh, but we also feel so strongly in what we've been able to do within this local community that our goal long-term would be able to bring that to other communities as well, to other university communities. Well, I love it. And and what a great model you guys have created. So if the, if there's an advisor in another university town, um, listen, I've been to Ann Arbor a few times. What a fun town. I, you can get a lot of trouble in that town if you're a young person. <laughs> it is a very unique town and has things that you're not going to see anywhere else. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a lot of fun to hang out. Um, we're both Big Ten people. I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, so I love that right. rivalry, but I, I really I really enjoy any time I spend in Ann Arbor. I liken yeah. it to I liken it to Madison, you know, when we were 18, 19 yeah. years old and looking for trouble, looking for fun, but finding trouble. It was often in Madison, Wisconsin. So yeah. yeah. Cool town. Um, Emily, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you sharing our story. I think uh, you know, if there's other young women out there um that have had the same experience as you as in one of these large traditional firms. And I'll let you know, I think someone told me a couple of weeks ago, 13% of advisors are women. So it is really, really an underserved portion of our industry. Um, and this gives me an opportunity to plug my friend, Cheryl Hickerson. Cheryl's awesome. Emily, if you don't know, and others who are listening, uh, Females in Finance is a group that she runs. Um, so you can okay. find them on LinkedIn or their website. I think it's femalesinfinance.com. Um, anyway, they're, they're all over the place. Cheryl does a great job and is a, such a great resource for women and for women in the industry, but also men who are allied and supporting the growth of women in the industry. Oh, so fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, 
outside of just those experiences, I mean, being a mom and a financial advisor in general has its own challenges. So anyone that's looking for support, <laughs> I'm yeah. happy to offer it. That is awesome, Emily. That is that is cool. And uh, and hit up my friend Cheryl. I think it's like a six or nine dollar a month. You know. All right, I'll check it out. And and she's so active. She does such a great job. So. That's great. Um, yeah, Emily Habercorn. Habercorn, pardon me. At I want to say University Wealth, though that's the website. You guys have done such a good job with your niche at Evangelist and Associates in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Thanks for being here and sharing your story with our listeners. Yeah, thanks for having me. Got it. And be and on behalf of myself, Charlie Van Derva, and my guest today, Emily Habercourt. And we want to thank you, all of our listeners, for taking some time out of your day. Uh, we hope that you learned something. If you've got any questions whatsoever, you can find us at racollective.com. If you know somebody I should interview, pass them along. Emily is at Emily at university-wealth.com. So now we don't do big sponsorship. Maybe one day, but this isn't a this isn't a money making you know piece of piece of our business or anything like that. So um, we are really sincerely trying to give captive advisors the confidence to move to independence. There is a world out there for you. So if you know anybody that needs to hear this message, please share the the, the podcast with them. And of course, if you review us and like us on your favorite listening platform, we get a, we get a little more exposure. So thank you for helping us grow. And Emily, once again, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good one. You've just listened to another episode of RIA Collective with your host, Charlie Van Derven. For more information, visit riacollective.com. Now, have a great day.